We're going to open up the Bible. We are drawing our series called Every Day with Jesus to a close. And in a little minute, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 3. So you can look that up on your multimedia devices and also your Bible. And I'm going to ask Stuart Prentice, be our Bible distributor. The Bibles are here. Yes. Thank you, Stuart. It's a noble task. I take a lot of time to decide who does this. So uh, if you don't have a Bible, stick your hand up and we'll get a Bible to you. And if you don't have one at home, we'd love you to have a Bible at home. So take it as a gift from us this morning from Inverness Vineyard. So we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 3. You can look that up. I want to share a story with you this morning as I kick things off. It's about a person who was working in a call center for a home accessories supplier. And a customer called them. And they were wanting a blue replacement door for their kitchen that they'd had for 10 years. And uh, the person answering the phone said, we've never had in all my time working at this call center uh, a door, a blue door for kitchens. And they argued on the phone for over 10 minutes. And uh, the customer was saying, I expect you to sort this. It's my expectation that you will sort this. I am a customer of yours, and I want you to get me this blue door. And then it twigged to the call center operator. Uh, he asked her while he was on the phone to look at the corners of the doors that she'd had for 10 years, and if she could peel them away, because it might just be a protective film. She put the phone down, and then 10 seconds later, she went, oh my it's the white doors that we originally ordered 10 years ago. <laughs> and it turns out when her delivery arrived, she thought they'd sent the wrong color, but she liked it, so she built with them anyway. And they arranged for the white door to be delivered. I expect you to sort this. Expectations are interesting things, aren't they? I want to show you a couple of pictures uh, of what uh, expectations can uh, bring and what we can expect and what showed up. Look at that. I mean, that kid's birthday party is going to be very interesting, isn't it? I was expecting SpongeBob, and I got SpongeBob, I don't even know. Yeah, SpongeBob Lights, that's good, I like that. And let's have a look at the next one. So this is a pillowcase, looks quite good, doesn't it? Expect that to come, dinosaur pillowcase, brilliant. Kid will enjoy that, and look what came. An actual pillowcase of the boy on the pillowcase. <laughs> what I was promised, what I expected, and what arrived. And let's have we look at the last one. I think it's the last one. I mean, it's okay, love. I'll make breakfast in bed, and I've seen this amazing thing. Oh, my word. Never make breakfast in bed again. We're bringing a close to our series this morning. I want to look at expectations. And I think those examples, although, I mean, they're funny, aren't they? They're quite a true reflection sometimes, how we can often walk with Jesus. If any of those things happen to us with the pillow and with the uh, SpongeBob at the party, we'd be like, this is not what you promised. I expected this. What's going on? I want what was promised. We'd be on the phone. We'd send an email. We wouldn't be happy because it didn't match up. We would not accept it. We would want what we were promised. And I think sometimes in our, in my everyday walk with Jesus, that we can make do. We can accept 
and make do Jesus what he's never able or allowed to be king over our lives. We accept how it is. We can make do. We can go with, ah, I read this in here, but I'll make do with what's going on here. We perhaps live with the inconsistency because we like control or we're worried about the change or what people will think. And Jesus, this morning, wants to remind this church who he is and what he carries. That maybe we've been living our everyday with Jesus with a blue film over it. And maybe for some of us, there's to be a little moment where we go, ah, that's what it's to be like. That's what you're calling me into, Lord. That's how I have to walk. I came across this quote from Mike Pilavacci, who pastors a church down in Watford, Soul Survivor Church, and I like it a lot. He says this, spiritually, we are millionaires, but often we live like paupers. Everything that is Jesus's is ours because we belong to him. So let's take hold of it. Let's take hold of it. I want to pray that this morning before we read from God's words. Let's have a, a wee short prayer before we start. Lord, we want to take hold of all you have for us. As we open up your words, we pray, Holy Spirit, come. We open up our hearts. We open up our minds. We open up our lives. And we want to take hold of everything you have for us. We say, come, Lord, as we read your word. We say, come into our situations, into our worries, into our joys, into our everydays. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are looking at Acts chapter 3. It's entitled, Peter Heals a Lame Beggar. And it's up on the screen as well. Let's read. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Then Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rory, for saving my wee torchlight there. So, in this passage, it was, uh, it was the hour of prayer. P Peter and John were on their way to the temple. The Jews observed at this time three times of prayer throughout the day. And devout Jews would go to the temple to pray. That's what they would do three times a day. And the beautiful gate was the entrance to the temple. And a lot of people would pass here. So it was the perfect spot for beggars because of the sheer number of people that would pass. To give to beggars 
was looked upon favorably as well at this time. Uh, so the beggars placed themselves where they would be seen. So a couple of things I want to unpack this morning on this passage. And the first thing is, it's a transformation moment that I want to look at. And it's a mechanical moment to personal encounter. Now, I've said a few times that I used to be a financial advisor. And uh, I'm thinking of a little side hustle where uh, during the connect times, if you need mortgage advice, set up a wee table in the corner, you know, just, just to help out. But a lot, that's a joke, by the way, just in case you're, oh, that's good, isn't it? Never seen a church do that before. Uh, a lot of the appointments that I would have with customers would be really routine. They'd be routine. I would have regular, regulatory statements I'd have to read out. There'd be documents that I'd have to pass them. And uh, I'd have to share my contact details. And then I'd have to say, like, what is it you want help with? Then I would help them and send them on their way. It was quite repetitive a lot of the time. But in the mix of that, uh, it was really stressful as well, having the pressure of targets. For those of us that have been in sales or are in sales, uh, it was stressful. I, would, I wouldn't eat particularly well. I would wake up in cold sweats in the middle of the night. And uh, I would work long hours. It, it would consume me. But I remember one customer that came in. And he was going, I was going through my usual spiel that I have to at the beginning of an appointment, give my business card, terms of business, fact find. And he was just smiling, just smiling the whole way through. And I looked up at him, he's just smiling at me all the way through. And I carried on. But there was, uh, when I looked at him, there was a warmth to him. I couldn't quite explain it. But and I, as I looked at him, I was like, okay. And then I continued, I was like, that's a bit weird. Like, he's just smiling. He's just, just looking at me and smiling. And I helped him with his query. And then at that point, most of the time, people would go, okay, thanks so much, Thomas. Have a good day. But he just stayed there. He wouldn't leave. And I thought, okay, this is a bit weird. And then there was a silence. And he looked at, straight at me with tears in his eyes. And he asked, do you know Jesus, young man? What? And I remember at that point, the room just feeling thick and warm with warmth and God's presence just like, just landed in that little consultation room. And then he got up, and this is a man, must have been in his 70s, put his arm on my shoulder, and I can't remember exactly what he said. Maybe something, maybe he prayed or he said, God bless you, and then he left. And I remember just sitting in my office in this season of just pressure and just going, what on earth was that about? Oh, my goodness. I had to take a moment. And I was just like, God, you're with me in the mix of what's going on right now. It was really special. And wh why am I telling you that story? Commentators in this passage say the following. What could have simply been simply the occasion of mechanical activity is turned into a moment of personal encounter. And we have the quote up on the screen as well. I love that quote that I, I read as I was studying this passage. Peter and John, fresh from the Holy Spirit descending, filling them, fresh from selling their possessions and giving to the poor, are going to pray. There'd be lots of beggars. It'd be commonplace on their way to the temple. And they hear a request. In verse 4, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said to him, look at us. We're looking at you. Look at us. A mechanical moment where coins would often just be flung to the ground is no more. This is a moment. This is two men full of the Holy Spirit 
asking, what have you got for this man? Would this man have had eye contact with anyone? I doubt very little. I doubt, I think hundreds would have passed. A few would have emptied their pockets and not even give him the time of day. Yet we have a moment. This is a man who got carried and dumped at this gate every day. This is a man who was lame from birth, who knew no different. You see, for Peter and John, there's a living, breathing attentiveness to the Spirit's voice and leading to be interrupted, to be available, to be inconvenienced, to see the person and not the problem because they understand spiritually they are millionaires and they understand what they carry. They understand and have seen the power of the Holy Spirit descend and turn their world upside down. And after, in chapter, in chapter 2, after we read the fellowship of the believers, they take this gift of His presence and they go. They go out to the people. They go. I got sent this quote from a, a friend this week, uh, from Philip actually, and I feel it resonates. Thomas Kelly says this, first he takes the world out of our hearts so that we can give our hearts to him. Then he puts the world back into our hearts so that we can give him to the world. See, at this moment, they've been filled and the world is in their hearts here for the mission, for leading where God takes them. And we must be aware of the mechanical. The word just conjures up imagery of that, just function just churning it out <laughs> of robotic existence, of time passing us by. And I, I just don't think that's the journey that Jesus wants us on in our everydays. But I think in the everyday, it's a real challenge. It's a real challenge. I think of the hundreds and thousands that pass that man by, but Peter and John in the everyday mechanical walk to the temple chose to be attentive, to accept an invitation into the moment that the Lord had prepared. And I think it's about more eye contact. I think it's about a healthy pace. I've been really challenged this last few weeks about pace. And I feel to pray into pace. Lord, as we come into, as we are in this season of Advent, as we always say, oh, things are crazy that the Lord wants to instill in us and plant in our souls a healthy pace that we can run this few weeks with joy and proper reflection of what Jesus of Jesus coming means. So I want us to receive that word of pace, but I think being attentive to the Spirit is very linked to pace. And for some of us, we're so pacey. <laughs> and perhaps this is the only moment that we get to sit down and go, ah, maybe pace is a challenge. That wasn't even a point. That was just a word that I think it's using our eyes more. I think it's moments where the room gets thick with His presence and we know this is a moment. It's asking the Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in this moment right now? And see what, and see what He says. It's giving people, all of us, in that moment. It's listening. It's being present. So I wonder what that means for us this morning. What has become mechanical in our walks? Lord, I pray that you would invade in the mechanical moments in our days and we invite your presence to come. And then the second point, the second transformation is that will do to the immeasurably more. Uh, Mary and I have been married 13 years now, which is wonderful. And we have lots of our 
original wedding gifts, which is good. But one of our favorites and a game changer, and after the service, if you don't have one of these, get to Argos and get one. Rice cooker. Absolute game changer. Anyone else got a rice cooker? Good, eh? Really good, really good. Uh, but we have a chair also that someone made for us, a garden chair that somebody made as a wedding gift for us. And it's amazing. But the last couple of years, it's been falling apart a wee bit. And so last summer, I got my tools out. Uh, that makes me sound like I'm a professional for those of you that know me. <laughs> my tools are, <laughs> yeah, I'm not a DIYer really. I had all the gear and YouTube gave me the ideas to how to fix it and I got to mend it. I found some spare wood that I could attach to the side of it and uh, pieced it together. And I said to Mary, that'll do, love, won't it? And she sits down, and it's absolutely fine. And then I sit down next to her, and the thing is compromised. It's compromised. So uh, it cannot serve its original purpose. It's now a one-seater, wonky garden chair. And my, that'll do, love, has taken away its full purpose and design. And we need, actually, to call upon the man who designed it, who made it, to come and restore it, to bring it back to its full purpose. And I think we can often, in our everyday days with Jesus, walk the exact same way. We have the lame man after uh, having his moment with Peter and John, expecting some coins, perhaps. That would be nice. But what he gets in return is the bigger ask, the unimaginable. Remember, his life story has been marked by not being able to move. He's been literally being carried every single day. And if we read verse 6 and 7, we read, Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. It's like these men are saying, have some of the immeasurable more of Jesus and his spirit. It's an incredible picture. This man is seen jumping. He's never jumped. This man is seen walking. He's never walked. People see him. They see the transformation. It's undeniable. And awe and wonder fill that space. You see, the coins won't do. The wonky chair won't do. Perhaps for some of us, the Lord is calling us and we need to return to the master craftsman and ask for the immeasurably more. There's an invitation around expectation here. And there's an invitation into vulnerability and openness to Jesus. What have we walked with? Perhaps most of our lives. What have we accepted? That'll do. What have we lost the energy or motivation and camped up at the gate beautiful? Where are we accepting loose change? What is the big ask to the Lord this morning? What's the big dream? What's on our hearts? Maybe just maybe there's an invite from the Father to come afresh and to knock at the door this morning. Maybe in our everyday with Jesus there's a whisper of fresh hope that making do isn't the kingdom way. That we're not spiritual beggars but millionaires to ask for the immeasurably more. So I wonder, what is that one thing for each of us this morning as we draw that out of this passage? Is it around health? Is it around circumstances? 
Is it around our faith journey? Each of us will know in our own hearts what that one thing is to come to the Father after this. And then finally, as I bring things to a close, we have the testimony and the transformation. You know, the biggest testimony of showing Jesus is the transformation that people see. When we don't make do, when we don't accept the mechanical moments, but we seek his face and worship as we as we feed on his words, as we prioritize prayer, as we invest in the relationship, when we say yes to the moments that the Spirit is leading us, when we take a little step into the unknown, when we look at the person that the Lord's placed in front of us, the Lord begins to move and people begin to see. You know what I love about this passage? I want to read, actually, let's read verse 9 first and then I'll tell you what I love. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You know what I've, I've been thinking about as I've been reading this passage this week is that people recognized him as the same man. And I love that the man who'd been begging, I'm, you know, following on from last week when we looked at words, I love that the man who'd been, words of begging, you know, asking for coins or asking for help, that uttering those words, speaking words of need and reliance on people for a few coins is now speaking words of praise to God. And that's what those same people are hearing. Just think about it. Picture it. I envisage the hundreds and thousands of people walking past and going, I recognize that voice. What? They look around and they see this man jumping. They see this man walking. The same voice in need is now in praise at what the Lord has done. And the transformation is his testimony. His praising and dancing was noticed and the people were in awe. I want us to take heart, church. When we walk in the everyday with Jesus and when we say yes to the Spirit's nudges, transformation will come and people will notice when we walk faithfully in that. People will see and God will use it. There will be opportunity in that. There will be opportunity in our offices, in our lunch breaks. There will be opportunity with our families where all hope seems lost. There will be opportunity in how we speak, how we deal with conflict, how we manage difficult conversations, how we encourage one another, how we notice the one. And as I bring things to a close, I had a picture of this morning for us, and it was all of us carrying bags for life. Now, the word bags for life, they're not really bags for life, are they? Come on. They last a wee while. Maybe I'm putting too much shopping in mine. But uh, there's some things buried at the bottom of our bags for life that we haven't taken out into the light for a very long time because our faith has been mechanical and cold most of the time, and we've made do. But these things, these hopes, are still, we're still carrying them. They're still in our bags of life. It's still there. And some of us need to hear this morning that God hasn't forgotten about these things. And there's an invite to dig deep into the bag and rustle about and to look for it again and to bring it back out into the light, to take a hold of it. And in that taking hold, there's a moment of reclaiming it and there's a moment of declaring afresh this morning the bigness of God the power of God, and the possibilities of God to make all things new.
For some of us with expectations, it's about us decreasing and God increasing. We've limited God perhaps by what limits us. And he's calling, I feel that he's calling us to repentance over that. And in that, there'll be a filling of expectation and a hunger for his presence. To climb down off our thrones and to give it back to him. A moment of surrender. Expectations. Where are we at in terms of that? What's in our bags of life? What's become mechanical? What's the Lord just wanting to breathe fresh life into this morning? Why don't we stand?